this is this is the 10th anniversary for Mission Agape. They are, they are celebrating today the 10th anniversary of this great gospel organization here in our town. Uh, later on this afternoon at St. Paul United Methodist Church. And I know uh, Stacy Backus is with us this morning. Stacy, would you mind, would you stand and just let us tell you how much we love you and how much, stand up, how much we appreciate you and love you so much. Amen. And we feel, Stacy, as a church, we feel, I know, very honored. We feel very privileged and blessed by God to be in partnership with you and what God is doing in you and through you for the people uh, who need him and need his grace here in Midland. And so, again, it's an honor for us to be your partners, and we want to commit to that partnership. Uh, we're going we're gonna to keep working with you and working with the Lord together. Amen? Amen. Amen. I'm just uh, so excited to know Stacy. She's so... If you know her, you know what an encouragement she is. Come and see. Those are the three words. Come and see. Those are the words, the very first words in the Gospel of John that Jesus ever spoke out loud. He, he said those to Andrew the very first time they met. Come and see. Come and see are the words that Philip used with Nathaniel when he told him, We have met the Messiah. Come and see. Come and see are the words the angel said to the women at the mouth of the empty tomb. Come and see. These are three words of invitation. They are three words of promise. Come and see. Well, come and see what? Come and see Jesus. Because when you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. When you've seen Jesus, you've seen the power of God at work in the world. When you see the healing and the joy and the reconciliation and the forgiveness and the compassion that comes with Jesus. When you see Jesus changing lives, you have seen the ultimate revelation of God. This is clearly God. This is God sharply in focus. Seeing Jesus is seeing who God really is and what God is really all about. In John chapter 12, the people in the crowd said, we would like to see Jesus. Yeah, I think all of us want to see Jesus. Just Jesus. Not the speculation and the spin, not the theories and the what ifs, not the modern Jesus or the ethnic Jesus or the American Jesus or your uncle's Jesus. I'm talking about just Jesus. We just want to see Jesus. Today, the invitation is to come and see Jesus preach. If we're really going to see Jesus for who he is, and, and if we're really going to see in Jesus what he wants to show us about God and the kingdom of God, we have to pay attention to his preaching because Jesus is a preacher. Jesus preached everywhere. He preached all over Israel, and he preached all the time. In his own words, Jesus says, I need to preach. That's why I've come. That's Jesus. That's our Lord. He is a bold, courageous, uncompromising, Bible-banging, truth-telling preacher. That's Jesus. And he started preaching immediately, like first thing, right out of the gate. In Mark chapter 1, Jesus is baptized. Boom, he goes out into the desert for 40 days. Boom, very next verse. Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. 
The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. Six verses later, then they went to Capernaum. And when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. In verse 38, Jesus tells his disciples, let's go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. Jesus preached in the synagogues. And Luke 4 gives us a very detailed account of Jesus' first ever sermon, and I'm assuming his last sermon, at his hometown church in Nazareth. So turn there to Luke chapter 4. We're just going to park here for a while. Luke 4, I'm going to begin reading in verse 14. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He taught in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as was his custom. If it's the Sabbath, where else would Jesus be? It's a church day. He's in church. That's where Jesus is. That's his habit. That's his custom. And he stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. This is Jesus, right? Yeah, he grew up in this church. I know, I had him in the nursery. No, no, he was in our youth group. This is the guy. And he began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. This Jesus is something, isn't he? Is he dating anybody? I'd like to introduce him to my niece, you know? Yeah, that's what's happening during this sermon. And Jesus says, this scripture is taking place right now. What we just read is happening today. And then Jesus interprets the scripture and he uses a couple of illustrations from Elijah and Elisha to apply the passage. And then he offers the invitation. And it only took half a verse of just as I am for Jesus to get a response. Every one of them flooded down the aisles To kill the preacher. They were all enraged at Jesus. And they ran him out of town to the brow of a cliff to throw him off to his death. Man, I think I've preached there before. (laughs) Here's what we know from this sermon of Jesus's. One, Jesus is preaching by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is not just Jesus' opinion here. This is a divinely derived testimony to the truth. Jesus is speaking under the compulsion of the Holy Spirit. He has to speak. If he doesn't get the word of God out of him, it'll rot his gut and burn up his bones. He's got to say what's inside. This is from the Holy Spirit. Secondly, Jesus is preaching Scripture. 
The congregation here in Nazareth did not ask Jesus to share his feelings or talk about music or quote a best-selling author or show a movie clip. They handed him the scroll of Isaiah and demanded that he work from that. It's important that Jesus is preaching the Bible. And Jesus believes the scriptures are about right now. This gospel, this good news, it's not just helpful advice. It's not even just truth. This scripture is about what God is doing right now, right here, today. And it really hits home when Jesus says, today, today this scripture is fulfilled. You know, it's one thing to say, God will act someday. One day, God will move. One day, God will save. And that's good news. We love it. But it's a whole different deal when the preacher says, God is saving today. God is doing something right now. God is moving right here. People love to hear that. I love to preach that. And I've got to believe this church, that's what they're responding to, right? That's good news. And there must have been a stir in the congregation when, when Jesus got to that part. Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. I'm assuming there were amens and hallelujahs. If it was the second service, it doesn't say here. <laughs> but you can see it, right? You, you can see it. Yes, God is saving today. Yes, God is making things right today. Man, this is such a good preacher. Are we paying him enough? You know, that's... That's what's happening in the congregation. And it's about this time that Jesus' sermon goes south and the good news got bad. Last month we were, um, we were finalizing some of our preaching plans. And I mentioned that this summer I wanted to take our church through Philippians. And a couple of people said, oh yeah, Philippians, that's my favorite book. And I thought, well, I'll fix that. So in the middle of his sermon, Jesus is kind of flipping back through his Bible and he says, you know, as I recall, according to your holy scriptures, there were lots of poor widows right here in Israel during the great famine, but Elijah didn't feed any of those good Jewish women. He only fed the one alien woman from another nation and race, the foreigner. Well, now the once adoring congregation has grown strangely silent and suddenly attentive Several in the church looked up from their phones at this point. Jesus says, again, I seem to remember from your scriptures that there were tons of lepers suffering right here in Israel, but only, the only person Elisha healed was an army officer from the occupying Syrian forces, the enemy. Uh-oh. Jesus says, yes, God has come. And he is acting and he is moving and he is saving, but not exactly in the ways you would have expected. Jesus points out that God's been working the other side of the street. So Jesus preaches by the power of the Holy Spirit. He preaches directly from the Bible and he uses the scriptures to apply it to the people's current situation. So what is the congregation's response to this well-crafted, perfectly delivered, biblically-based sermon? Kill the preacher. That, that's the response. So let's, let's look at this, okay? Jesus is preaching the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus preached. It's the theme of every one of his sermons. Kingdom of God, kingdom of God, kingdom of God. That's all Jesus ever preached. 
You know, after a couple of years at our last church in Amarillo, I had, a, I had a guy come up to me after church on a Sunday, and he said, you know, when you first got here, I was afraid all you would talk about is sports. But you don't do that. And I said, well, thank you. He said, no, all you talk about is food. And I thought, okay, that's, that's probably something I need to pay attention to. With Jesus, all he talked about was the kingdom of God. He talked about it all the time. Matthew 4, repent for the kingdom of God is near. Mark 1, the time has come, the kingdom of God is here. Later on in this same chapter 4, Jesus says, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also because that is why I was sent. And he kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea. But the way Jesus preaches the good news of the kingdom of God doesn't go down real well in a congregation full of people who think they're the only ones who've got it right. People have a hard time hearing that God is doing a new thing when they're holding on to the white-knuckled death grip to all the old things. It's funny. Elijah and Elisha had to stand up and preach hard truth to kings and governments and centers of national power. Jesus had to stand up and preach to an even more totalitarian and potentially violent group, his home church. That's not us, right? We're, we're not like this, right? I mean, there's not one person on this planet. There's not one group of people anywhere on earth that we look down on or that we hate. You know, a lot of preaching begins with us and where we are, and then eventually it works up to God and where he is. But Jesus does just the opposite. When Jesus preaches, he always starts with God. God intruding, God speaking, God disrupting life, God changing things. And, and the people just kind of stagger out of church, you know, man, I thought I knew who God was till Jesus started preaching. So when Jesus is preaching... What does he want us to see? In his sermons, what is Jesus telling us and showing us about God and the kingdom of God? Well, one, you already thought you had the three points. You don't. Here they come. One, we're supposed to see that the kingdom of God is for them. The gospel is for them. And by them, I mean people in addition to you and us. People who are not like you and us. People who are very different from you and from us. Those people. Them. It was a revolutionary idea back then. And it is still very much a radical concept today. And it will still get you threatened today. And it might get you hurt but this is mainly what Jesus preaches. Here in this Nazareth church, he's preaching this sermon from Isaiah 61. But one time at the church in Jerusalem, he preached this exact same sermon out of Isaiah 56. Do you remember that sermon? Yeah, you remember it because Jesus illustrated it by flipping over the tables and the chairs. And then he made it participatory. He made it an interactive experience when he caused a stampede of livestock to go right through the church building. Do you remember that? My favorite version of that is in Mark where Jesus says, Is it not written, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. So we know from that he's preaching from Isaiah 56, and I thought it might be a good idea to actually read that text 
This is what Jesus was preaching from the day he cleared out the temple. Listen to this. This is what the Lord says. To the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose what pleases me and hold fast to my covenant, to them I will give within my temple and its walls a memorial and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that will not be cut off. And foreigners who bind themselves to the Lord to serve him, to love the name of the Lord and to worship him, all who keep the Sabbath without desecrating it and who hold fast to my covenant, to them I will bring to my holy mountain and give them joy in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be accepted on my altar for my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations." Foreigners, eunuchs, aliens, outsiders, national enemies. God gives to all of them an everlasting name in his holy temple. He blesses all of them with great joy and acceptance in his house. His house of prayer for all peoples and all nations. Sermon on the Mount is Jesus' most famous sermon. And he starts it by blessing them, the poor people and the hungry people, the people who weep, the people who are hated and excluded, the people who are rejected as somehow evil or other. The kingdom of God is for them. Jesus preached that and he lived that so we could see it. You know, Jesus made friends with the poor and with the oppressed. And we love that. We celebrate that. Preachers like me, we love to preach that. The weird thing is that Jesus also made really good friends with the rich people and the oppressors. And that makes us crazy. We don't know what to do with that. Because what we like to do is we like to separate people and groups of people. We like to distinguish between us and them, right? We want to separate. These are the good people. These are the bad people. We're we're always drawing lines between us and them. These are the worthy people. These are the people who are not worthy. These are the people who might respond to Jesus. These are the ones who will never respond to Jesus. These are the people who are worth the church's time and money and energy. And these are the people who are not worth. It would just be a, a waste of the church's resources. That's the way we are. But that is not the way of our Lord Jesus. Whoever you categorize in your mind as those people, the kingdom of God is for them. Amen? Amen. Is that too hard for us? Is that too much? Because when Jesus preached this stuff, it didn't sit well with very many people. They didn't like it. And they would find other things to do on church day. They started leaving You know, in John 6, Jesus is preaching some different stuff, but it's still really hard stuff. And the people just start, they start running away. And I don't mean like they're just sneaking out during the offering or or leaving as soon as communion's over. They're done, right? They're out. And Jesus asks Peter, are y'all leaving too? And Peter says, Lord, who would we go to? Seriously, you have the words of eternal life. We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. Listen, church, that is the very best reason to stay and listen to Jesus preach. 
It's not that his sermons give you great insights or solve all your problems or give you some kind of a spring in your step and encouragement to get through whatever you've got going on that day. It's because this preacher, Jesus, is the holy son of God. And he wants us to see it. He wants us to see that the kingdom of God is for them. That's the message. That's his sermon. That's almost all of his sermons. And it kept him in hot water. It got him kicked out of his hometown church. And eventually it got him killed. And here's the hard part. If you thought that was hard, check this out. Jesus calls us, commands us to preach and proclaim and live this exact same message. In Luke 9, chapter, uh, verse 2, this, and are we, are we where we need to be? Yeah, we proclaim the kingdom of God to all. Thank you, Trina. Um, I'm stalling as I'm looking for Luke 9. There, where is it? Luke 9, okay, here we go. Verse 2, here's, just, here's a bunch of these, right? He sent them out to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Later on in verse 60, he says, this is Jesus, you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Chapter 10, verse 9, Jesus says, tell them the kingdom of God is near you. Matthew 10, he says, as you go, preach this message. The kingdom of God is near. And then in Acts chapter 2. This is, this is the day of Pentecost. And there's this mob in the street demanding an explanation for what's happening in that upstairs room with the tongues of fire and the multiple languages and all that. And Peter pulls out this passage from Joel. And he starts preaching just like Jesus. He says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. Verse 21, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, up to this point, Holy Spirit-empowered talk, preaching, prophesying, it was limited to just a very few select prophets. But when Christ comes, when the day of the Messiah, when the coming of the kingdom of God arrives, God's Holy Spirit is poured out on everybody, young and old, men and women, it says. Our sons and daughters, we will all of us speak up and we will speak out. Everyone will preach. And in case you didn't know, we are living right now today in this Holy Spirit age in which we are all preachers like Jesus. That's why Christians tend to be big talkers. Have you noticed that about Christians? You've clued into that, right? We'll talk to anybody and it's really hard for us to shut up. We talk all the time. That's one of the hardest things about church is getting everybody to quit talking out there and come in here, and then to quit talking in here just so we can get started. We're big talkers. That's because the Holy Spirit of God lives inside every single one of us. And we are called to proclaim. We are called to preach. We're all preachers. We're all proclaiming the kingdom of God to all. Now, that doesn't mean you have to have a pulpit and a microphone. 
You are a preacher, but you don't have to wake up every morning and come up with three points in a prayer. You don't. There are at least 33 different Greek words in the original New Testament that we translate as preaching or proclaiming, but there's only two or three of them that mean speaking in public. Most of it is preaching and proclaiming just in our daily speech, just in our interactions with other people as we go about our daily lives. Acts chapter 8 says, all the Christians preached the word everywhere they went. That didn't mean they walked into a church building every Sunday and got up on the stage and took turns preaching. Priscilla and Aquila proclaimed the word of God in their home. 1 Peter 4 says, and this came up in our Bible class this morning, if you speak, or better, when you speak, speak the very words of God. Colossians 3, the word of Christ should dwell among all of us richly as we teach and admonish as we sing. Whatever we do, it says, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. So how do we do that? How do we proclaim the kingdom of God to all people? Well, we speak and we act in ways that include all people. We love lavishly without distinction we share generously without judgment we forgive liberally without limit we help we compliment we build up everybody without reservation we treat everybody like jesus christ came to this earth to save them why because he did we treat everybody like they already belong to the kingdom of god why because that's what god wants and proclaiming that and living that will probably get you in trouble. Going back to uh, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5. I've got my markers mixed up this morning or something. Matthew 5, okay? Hopefully we were reading this while we were eating and drinking in the presence of the Lord earlier. But when Jesus says, when someone hits you on the right cheek, turn the other cheek to him, he doesn't say, and then that person will stop hitting you. Turning the other cheek might actually get you punched another couple of times. It might land you in the hospital. Jesus doesn't say it won't. And then when Jesus says, forgive others unconditionally, he doesn't say, so that person will stop sinning against you. No. Forgiving somebody sets you wide open for that same person to hurt you and betray you and sin against you maybe up to 489 more times. And when Jesus says, do not resist an evil person doing you harm, he doesn't say, so that person will become nice. Refusing to fight might get you killed. So when Jesus says, turn the other cheek, forgive without limits, Walk the extra mile, give up your coat, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. Why? He gives us the reason, verse 48, because that's the way of our Father in heaven. Live that way because that's who God is. So we treat the mean next door neighbor like he belongs to the kingdom of God. And we talk about terrorists. And national enemies, like God loves them. Why? Because he does. And if there's a bumper sticker on your car that says something different, peel it off. And if you receive an email or a Facebook post that says anything bad 
about any group of people on this planet, you don't forward it, you delete it. Just like the rain in the Sermon on the Mount that falls on the just and the unjust, right? Whether they want it or not, whether they ask for it or not, whether they accept it or not, here it is, the love of God for you, the forgiveness of Jesus Christ for you, the mercy and the grace of God's Holy Spirit poured out on you by me. Freely and joyfully, we proclaim and we live that the good news of the kingdom of God is for all. Why? Because that's our God. That is our Lord Jesus Christ. And when we proclaim it and when we live it, it will set us and everybody we know totally free. Lastly, Jesus' sermons are inviting us to receive the kingdom of God today. Go back to Luke 4. These are just two sentences of Jesus' sermon. But I think it's all we need. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus is describing his mission. This is what Jesus Christ came to this earth to do. It's just two sentences. And he says, preach three times. Preach, proclaim, proclaim. He's anointed by the Holy Spirit. He's commissioned by God to speak, right? To declare. Okay, what is it he is speaking? He is preaching good news. He is proclaiming freedom. And he is proclaiming release. The year of the Lord's favor. Now, get this. Jesus is speaking these things out loud. And when God speaks, it happens. When God says, let there be light, there is light. And it's very good. When God renames somebody, they are remade immediately. God's word is the action. In the Bible, it doesn't talk about God speaks and then he acts. God speaking is the action. God's voice is the power. And so whenever God says something, whenever Jesus speaks something, he is speaking it into existence. It's happening right then. And that is the good news of the kingdom of God, that Jesus Christ is himself the word of God, and that in his life and death and resurrection, you have been released. God has freed you. Brothers and sisters, it's already done. That's the good news, that we are so loved by God in Christ, we don't have to despair when we do wrong. And that we are so sinful and we are so wicked, we have no right to be puffed up when we do something good. We have been released and freed from all of that. We don't have to worry about those things anymore. In Christ Jesus, it doesn't matter how much you know or how good you are or how hard you try. It doesn't matter how bad you think you are or how far you believe that you've fallen. The eternally powerful word of God proclaimed by the living word of God declares that today, right now, you are released. You know, a lot of people talk about the kingdom of God like it's some kind of a spiritual battle or like the kingdom of God is a war. That ain't it, church. When the Bible talks about the kingdom of God, it talks about it like a prison break. 
It's a jailbreak, right? The chains are broken and the bars are gone and the doors have been flung open wide so you can live in Christ in the presence of God and in righteous relationship with everybody in the world freely in Him. The year of the Lord's favor, the year of jubilee, right? We've been singing about it together this morning. He's talking about in Israel, God had ruled that every 50 years, everybody's free. All the debts are paid. Everything's written off. The books are clean. No more captivity. No more prison. No more debts. No more owing anybody anything. It's a fresh start. It's a brand new beginning. And when Jesus says, today, this has been fulfilled in your presence, he's saying, with my coming, your fresh start is today. With my coming, with the day of the Messiah, the kingdom of God is here and your brand new beginning is right now. That's what he's preaching about. And that is what Jesus proclaims today for you. Praise God. Jesus Christ has declared it. That today in him, you're free. You're released. When you see Jesus preach... And when you hear the good news of the kingdom of God, and when you receive that good news of the kingdom of God, then even death has got nothing on you. Neither does sin. Second, y'all come up, praise team. I've already messed everything up. <laughs> Second Corinthians 5 says, now is the time of my favor right? Today is the day of salvation. And that's what Jesus says today. Today. Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Amen? Amen. All right, let's stand up, church, and I hope we're ready to sing. <laughs>